Amen. All right. Matthew chapter 1, look at verse uh, 18, please. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was a spouse of Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. What does that mean? That means that Joseph had found out she was pregnant and he knew he hadn't been sleeping with her. And he could have literally, according to the law, according to God's law, he could have took her out, took her in front of the men, and he could have had her stoned to death for adultery. That's what the law says, but he, didn't, he was a just man. He didn't want to make a public example of her, and he decided to put her away privately. He humbled himself down, and he was brokenhearted about it, and he said, well, I know I haven't been with her. Verse 20, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, Thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Verse 21, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why are we calling his name Jesus? Jesus means Jehovah saves. Jehovah saves. Amen. Jesus, Jehovah saves, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus Christ was born in this world to save you, every one of you, from your sins. That's what he came for. Jesus Christ wasn't born just to heal people, just to walk on water, just to tell us some good parables, to tell us how we should live. Jesus Christ was born to save you from your sins. And you need to be saved from your sins. If you're out here this morning, you're a sinner and you need to be saved from your sins. If you're this, here this morning and you're a sinner, i got good news for you. Jesus Christ came to save you from your sins. Verse 22, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, verse 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us. This morning I want to preach on Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. One of the most amazing things about the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it wasn't just the Son of Man was born or the Son of God, but when you say the Son of God was born, what you're saying and what the Bible's telling you there in verse 23 is its name is Emmanuel, and Emmanuel means God with us. What you have going on when Jesus Christ is born in the world is God is being born among us. God has decided to dwell among us in the flesh. It's amazing. It's hard to comprehend, and that's what I want to preach on this morning. Emmanuel, God with us. Now, if you're with me, turn with me to the Old Testament, to the book of Isaiah for a couple of minutes, and I'm going to show you some of these prophecies about Jesus Christ in the book of Isaiah, and we're going to confirm that these prophecies, this was all prophesied that God was going to dwell among us, and it's amazing stuff, and he's dwelling among us in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Now, I want to point out to you as you're turning to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. I want to point out to you that the book of Isaiah, because we have all this in our lap and we, we, we can tend to forget this, but the book of Isaiah was written 700 years before Jesus Christ was born. 700 years before Jesus Christ was born, it was prophesied. They foretold that this was what was going to happen. It's amazing stuff. I can't predict what's going to happen next week. 
They can't predict what's going to happen two weeks from now in the weather, amen? Two weeks ago, I was on my phone. I looked on my phone. It said, Christmas Day, rainy. It said, snowy, sleet. And I get up here at 70 degrees and the wind's blowing about to blow the church off. <laughs> they don't know. 700 years ago, what you're about to read was written down. It's amazing stuff. Look at verse 14. This is what we were just reading. Verse 14, Isaiah 7. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. What's the sign? Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That's what we were just reading. Notice it's a sign. What's the sign? Is a virgin shall conceive. It's no sign if a young maiden conceives. There's a thousand young maidens that conceive every day. What's the sign? The sign is that it's a virgin shall conceive. That's the sign. If you have a Bible that says young maiden, you need to take that Bible and throw it in the trash. The Bible says it's a virgin shall conceive. We want the virgin. That's the sign. And bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That's God with us. The Bible's telling us, Isaiah's foretelling us through the Holy Spirit that there's going to come a time where... There's a virgin going to conceive and he's going to be born and it's going to be God dwelling among us. That's, that's, that's amazing, guys. Look at Isaiah 9. Just skip ahead to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Brother Alvin was gracious enough to read this to us this morning. We're going to read it again. And uh, I appreciate Brother Alvin doing that and reading that for me. It's a real blessing to me. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Now notice, here's another prophecy. 700 years before Christ came along. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name, look what his name is, shall be called Wonderful. You know, I'm here to tell you Jesus Christ is wonderful. Amen. He is wonderful. He's wonderful. And so many before. You know why, he's, you know why his name is called Wonderful? Because he's done, so, he done so many wonders. There's not a man that walked on this earth that did the wonders that Jesus Christ did. Now, we have magicians that try to copy some of the nonsense. They try to copy some of that stuff, but they can never do the things that Jesus Christ did. You know, when Jesus Christ healed somebody in the Bible, it says they jumped up and they started leaping and they took their stuff. They didn't get slapped on the forehead and start walking. Their knees started, oh, you know, like you see some of these fakers on TV. It's like, I think I'm healed. And then they fall forward, you know. When Jesus Christ healed them, he says, stand up, get up, take your bed, walk. And they'd go walking and leaping and shouting with joy. They, they were healed. This wasn't some half healing. When Jesus Christ healed them, they were healed. This is a man who did wonders. That's why we call him wonderful. His name is Counselor. He gives you some of the best advice you could ever get. <laughs> you know, it's, it's amazing. And we know as Christians the great advice Jesus gave us about Loving our enemies and forgiveness. And we know, if you know anything about this advice Jesus Christ has given us, like forgiveness, that forgiveness is not for the person you're forgiving. Forgiveness was advice Jesus gave you for your own good. Because <laughs> if you live, in a, if you live a, with a heart with, unforgiving, with an unforgiving heart, you're going to be miserable. It's like a cancer. And Jesus Christ is giving you all this great counseling because it's good for you to be forgiving. It's good for you to love your enemies. That's all stuff that's good for you. Jesus Christ is the best counselor a man could have. Look, he's the mighty God. The mighty God, capital G. It's Jesus Christ as God manifests in the flesh. You can't get around this. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. He's called the mighty God. 
See, this is the verse that just blows the Jehovah's Witnesses out of the water. They like to say, Jesus wasn't God. Jesus isn't the Son of God. He, it's not, Jesus wasn't God manifest in the flesh. Hey, I got something to tell you. In your own New World Translations, it says, the mighty God. Because <laughs> he's a mighty God. He's a mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. Who's the Father? God. Jesus Christ is the everlasting Father. Guys, you got to grab a hold of this stuff. He's God with us. I don't know if you're comprehending that. The Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. I don't care where you're at in your life. You might be sitting there out there and you might have some very, uh, uh, you might be going through some very challenging physical problems. And I know a lot of us are. But when you have Jesus Christ, there's a peace that you can't describe. There's a peace. If it wasn't for Jesus Christ, I couldn't have got through some of the problems and trials of my life. And he is the Prince of Peace. Oh, oh man, it's the peace the world can't give you. The peace the world can't give you. Turn to Isaiah 43, excuse me, Isaiah 43. show you another one of these. Then we'll move on to the New Testament. I'll show you some more stuff. We're talking about Jesus Christ being God with us. God with us. Look at Isaiah chapter 43, verse 11. I want to show you something. This, this, these people who try to deny that Jesus Christ is God, they have a lot of trouble. Because it's not just one or two verses. We're talking about tons and tons of verses. Look at Isaiah chapter 43, verse 11. Here's God, and it's the Lord speaking. It's the Lord. Look, I, even I am the Lord. L-O-R-D, capital L-O-R-D. They would say that's Jehovah. That's Jehovah God. That's I am the Lord. Look, and beside me, there is no Savior. (laughs) The Lord, Jehovah the Lord, says, beside me, there is no Savior. Now, why did I turn this verse? Why did I turn you to this verse? Because if you're in here this morning, you're going to, and I ask you, you're going to say, yes, Jesus Christ is my Savior. Well, God says, beside me, there is no Savior. Well, you don't have no problem if Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. But if you're going to say and tell me, well, Jesus isn't God, well, you have a major problem right there. Because the Lord Jehovah, Jehovah's Witness, the Lord Jehovah said, beside me, there is no Savior. Only the God's the one that can save you. Only God. And if it's Jesus Christ, that's God manifest in the flesh. God with us. Emmanuel, born in a manger. Verse 12, I have declared and have saved, and I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore, ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. You want to be a Jehovah's Witness? You say that God is the Savior, and that He's the Savior through Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jehovah, saves. Jehovah saves. I'm a great Jehovah's Witness. (laughs) I'm a great Jehovah's Witness, because I'm telling everybody I know, Jesus saves. And he's the only Savior, the Lord, Jehovah. Look at down verse 25. I want to give this to you and then we'll move right along to the New Testament. Verse 25, same chapter. God says here again, I, even I am he that blotteth out my, thy transgressions for mine own name's sake, for mine own sake, excuse me, and will not remember thy sins. God says, I'm God. I'm the only one that can save you. I'm the one that blots out your sins. Keep that in mind, okay? Keep that in mind. Turn to John 1 1. Turn to the Gospel of John 1 1. Now, I know this is a, you're turning, you're going, I'm going to wear your thumb out this morning, but I'm going to show you that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. He's God with us. 
It's amazing, guys. And, and to try to comprehend this, you can't. You can't comprehend this. It's, it's hard to wrap your mind around that God is walking among us. All-powerful, all-knowing, all-creation. He's walking among us in Jesus Christ. Yes, that's exactly what happened. Look at John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen. Amen. That's Jesus Christ manifesting Himself. God manifesting Himself into Jesus Christ. See, we looked at this verse in Sunday school. It's found in verse 14. And the Word was made flesh. See, the Word is God. Amen. All right. Verse 14. And the Word was made flesh. That's Jesus Christ. And dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. That's Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth. He's God manifest in the flesh. Now, I keep quoting that verse over and over again, but look at 1 Timothy 3. 1 Timothy three sixteen. Some of these you might want to just write down if you don't want to have to turn with me. But I'm showing these to you. Maybe some you, you, A lot of y'all probably know these verses, but it's good to hear them again. It's good for us to meditate this morning, on Christmas morning, it's good for us to meditate what it meant that Jesus Christ was given to us. A son is given to us, but that son is God manifest in the flesh. It's amazing to think about that. I, I know I keep saying that, but it, it's hard for me, maybe because I'm so stupid, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around that God would want to come dwell with us. Why would he want to do that? I don't want to go live down in the slums. I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to live in the slums. And that's slumming it. When God comes down to man, that's slumming it, guys. <laughs> Verse 16, and without controversy. Hey, there's no controversy in this. Great is the mystery of godliness. What is the mystery of godliness? God was manifest in the flesh. Justified in the spirit. Seen of angels. Preached unto the Gentiles. Believed on in the world. Received up into the glory. God was manifest. And that's a great mystery of God. What's the mystery of godliness? So you're saying, Brother Keegan, yes, that's what I'm saying, that Mary was changing God's diapers. That's what I'm saying. That's, what, that's a mystery of godliness. When Mary was holding that sweet baby, she was looking into that sweet baby's eyes. She was looking into God's eyes. God was manifest in the flesh. Man, can you just... Can you imagine Mary and the thoughts that ran through her heart? And the Bible talks about this all through the New Testament where she pondered these things in her heart. You know, her son was lost and she went to find him. He's in the temple and he's showing these doctors who thought they were so smart. He, he, Jesus was showing these doctors what was what and what was not. And, and don't you know what we've been looking for? And he turns around and he says, don't you know I need to be about my father's business? That little boy was straightening out his mama and she didn't say nothing back to him. Why? Because that's God telling her, hey, woman. Man, it's, you can't comprehend. It's hard, to it's hard to wrap your mind around this. That's God that's crawling on the ground right there. Jesus is a little baby crawling and playing around on the ground when the wise men came in to give him those gifts. That was God. When they bowed down to worship him, they're worshiping God. When you're worshiping Jesus Christ, you're worshiping God. You're worshiping God Almighty. Look at Philippians. Just turn back a couple of pages, pages to Philippians. And I'm going to show you Philippians chapter 2. This is when God started slumming it. I call it God started slumming. I know that's kind of crude, but 
I'm trying to get this into y'all's minds. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. When Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ was manifest down into that body, and God was manifest into that body in one part of the Trinity, that's slumming it, man. You're going from heaven down to a manger? And remember what I preached last Sunday? That's what God chose to do. God could have chose to be born in a king, in a kingdom's palace. God could have been cho- chose to be born to a king. But God chose to be born to a carpenter in a manger. Amen. That's God's choices. And like, I like his favorite choice. All this great news about Jesus, who's he send it to? The working man working the night shift. The shepherd's out at <laughs> That's me and you. Amen. That's God's heart. Verse 5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery would be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Yes, he was. And being found in fashion as a man, Jesus Christ, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even to the death of the cross. Even the death of the cross. Listen, Jesus Christ didn't have to die. No. And he told that to Pilate. He goes, you know, I can have 12 legions of angels right here. I can have, the angels could come and rescue me. But I want to be here. I want to allow you to beat me. I want to allow you to spit on me. I want to allow you to crucify me. He was allowing that to happen. He was being humbled and obedient even unto death. Why did he do that? Because he loved you enough to die for your sins. What did we read at the very beginning? He's the Savior for your sins. And the only way he can save you from your sins is not to heal people, is not to walk on water, not to get up and calm the storm, not to tell the wonderful parables. The only way he could heal you from your sins and save you from your sins is to die on the cross of Calvary and to shed his precious blood. So he can be a type of the Passover lamb. So God can take that blood, put it on the door, and you can get behind that door and you'll be saved. Remember the Exodus story? It didn't matter if you were a hooker. It didn't matter if you were a murderer. I don't care who you were. You get behind that door, God said, I see that blood, and I'm going to pass over you. And you'll be saved. I don't care who you are. Get in the door. The blood will be a token unto you. That blood of Jesus Christ is a token unto you. Man, that blood is precious. (laughs) That's why we sing about it out of those hymns. You go to Revelation, they're singing about the blood of Jesus Christ. Guys, that's what's wrong with the church today. We're trying to take the blood away. You get these new songs, and I'm not saying they're all bad, but they rub me the wrong way. They don't mention the blood of Jesus Christ. Nowhere. Where's the blood? We're not singing. There's no power in the blood anymore. There's no, are you saved by the blood of the Lamb? Where are those songs at? They're disappeared. That's the devil. He's coming to the church and he's trying to take away the blood. Guys, it's all about the blood. It's all about Jesus Christ being obedient to death. You've got to have that. You want to be saved from your sins? Jesus Christ must needs be crucified for you. Man, I know how y'all, y'all's hearts are. Y'all love Jesus Christ. You come, really come up here in the morning on a Sunday, on a Christmas morning. When they were yelling and chanting in front of Pilate and Jesus Christ sat there with this cross on his head and he sat there humbly, bloody, face swollen up. He already been beaten up and they're down there in the, in the crowd and they're saying, crucify him, crucify him. And I know we read that in the Bible and we think, oh, that's so awful. That's so horrible. And it is. 
But I'm here to tell you this morning, if you want to be saved, if you were down in that crowd, you would have to humbly bow your head and say, crucify him. If he is not crucified, I will not be saved. Knowing all we know about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, we must humbly say, crucify him. Isn't that that shameful? We're such sinners that we have to crucify our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right along with the world. Right along with the world. He slummed it. You know, I love, this, I love to read the story. And this uh, guy, he was going door to door in this village. This is a long time ago. Going door to door in the village. He's knocking on doors. He was a beggar and he's asking for some food. Nobody would help him in this village. And this one, one man, a poor man, he said, yeah, I've got a little bit of food. And he was real kind to this, this beggar. And he gave the beggar a little bit of food. The next day, the king's carriage comes strolling. This is in Russia. The king's carriage, beautiful carriage, comes strolling in this village. Everybody gets excited to run around, and the, ver- the village is there, and everybody's running out of the village. Here comes that carriage, and it comes, and it stops right in front of that door of that man that had helped that beggar. And out of that carriage, guess who steps out of that carriage? The king, Peter I. It was that beggar. This is a true story. Peter I had pretended to be a beggar. And Peter the first had went in this village pretending to be a beggar and was knocking on doors and nobody would help him out for, except for that one man. And Peter the first showed up and everybody was humbled down. They didn't know what to say. And he said, sir, you're going to come with me. I'm going to bring you into my palace. You're going to live like a king the rest of your days. It's a true story. And everybody wishes, I wish I would have been nicer. Jesus Christ humbled himself down like a beggar. He said, I have no pillow to lay my head on. I don't know any of y'all in here this morning that didn't have a pillow last night. Our Lord and Savior didn't have a pillow. He didn't have a house. He gave it all up for me and you so he could die on the cross of Calvary. You know what he's going to do when you so humbly accept him? He's going to give you a palace to live in. Amen, guys. This is God's love. God's, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's his love for you that he gave you this son. He gave you himself. On the cross of Calvary. Look at Mark chapter 2. Turn to Mark chapter 2 with me, if you're still with me. Mark chapter 2. God with us. What does that mean? God with us. Well, God with us. That means that God's living with us. That means that God's walking with us. Man, just wrap your mind around this stuff. God's walking with us. God's talking with us. Look, God's eating with us. The disciples were eating with God. Breaking bread with God. This is amazing things to think about. Look at Mark chapter 2. Look at verse 5. Mark chapter 2 verse 5. So you got God living with us. God walking with us. God talking with us. God eating with us. And listen. God forgiving us. Look at Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2 verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith. They had brought this man that was crippled. They couldn't get in. The house was full. So they broke the front. They broke the top of the roof of the house. And they lowered this man right in front of Jesus Christ. And that's faith. They lowered him down. And Jesus saw that. So what's the first thing Jesus does? Jesus gets up and heals him. No. Jesus doesn't get up and heal him. What's the first thing Jesus does? Jesus says, verse 5, When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. If you're in here this morning and you have some kind of sickness, some kind of illness, listen, I don't care what the doctors can do for you. You need to go to the great physician, Jesus Christ, and get healed up. Don't worry about your physical illness. 
Listen, you could come down this aisle and you could, ha- you could be crippled up and I could slap your head and heal you up and praise the Lord if I could do that, but you're still going to die. You're still going to go in the grave. The worm's going to eat you. You're still going to die. You need your sins forgiven. And Jesus Christ, the first thing he does is he says, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Verse 6. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Why is he speaking blasphemies? Look at verse 7. Who can forgive sins but God only? That's a great question. Who can forgive sins but God? That's, that's true. Only God can forgive sins. Look, if, if Joker owes me $1,000, and one of y'all go up to Joker and say, Hey, Keegan says don't worry about that $1,000. You don't have to pay it back. Listen, don't listen to them. You better, Joker better come to me. <laughs> hey, is it all right I don't pay back this $1,000? George said not to worry about it. Uh, no, I didn't ever say that. Or maybe I'll say, yeah, don't worry about it. But the point is, it's between me and Joker, amen. The only one that can forgive your sins to God is God. And that's a great question. Who can forgive sins but God only? That's blasphemy. Yeah, that's blasphemy if you're not God. But if you're God walking around in Jesus Christ, you can forgive all the sins you want to forgive toward God. What did I read to you in Isaiah 43, 25? I'm the Lord. I'm the one that blots your sins out. That makes Jesus Christ God. You getting that? You getting it? He's not only walking among us. He's not only eating with us. He's forgiving sins. Turn to Acts 20. Show you a couple more of these and we'll be done. We're almost done. Acts chapter 20. He's walking among us. God with us means a lot. So every time Jesus Christ is speaking, that's God speaking. You want to say, I wonder what God would sound like. Well, we'll read what Jesus Christ said. That's what God sounds like. I wonder how God would act. We'll see how Jesus Christ acted. That's how God would act. You getting it? You want to know how God is? Read how Jesus Christ is. How would God feel about that? Well, read what Jesus Christ did about it and you'll know. See how important it is to read your Bible? So God is walking with us. He's talking with us. He's eating with us. He's forgiven our sins. Look at Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. 28, verse 28. He's walking with us, talking with us, eating eating with us. He's forgiven us our sins, but look what he says in verse 28. Take heed therefore, this is Paul talking, take heed therefore unto yourselves and unto all the flock, talking about the church of God, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God. So it's the church of God. Notice that church of God, which what? Which he hath purchased. With his own blood. You know what I just read to you? What that verse just told you? That's God's blood. Who's that he there in that sentence? God. Church of God. Which he. Listen guys, you can't get around it. Jesus Christ, when he's on the cross, shedding his blood, that's God shedding his blood for you. That's precious blood. (laughs) That's precious blood. That's the blood that wasn't, that wasn't born of man. That wasn't Adam. That wasn't the first Adam's blood hanging on the cross. What did we just sing? Hark the herald angels sing. The second Adam. With the second Adam's blood. He didn't have his father's blood. He didn't have Joseph's blood. He had God's blood. He's born of a virgin. That's why it's so important he was born of a virgin. He had to be born of a virgin so he wouldn't have mine and your blood in him. Adam's blood. 
That Adam, that blood in you is what's causing you to sin. That blood in you is corrupt. It's nasty. It's causing you to sin. And it was given to you by your father. And it was given to him by his father. And it was given to him, way, way, way down the line, by Adam. You must have sinless blood born of a virgin. It's God's blood. It's born of the Holy Ghost. One part of the Trinity. God's hanging on the cross, shedding his blood. You read it? Man. Wrap your mind around that. That God is willing to come down and humble himself down and slum it around, slum it for three and a half, 33 and a half years just so he can die for you. That's love, guys. You know, does God love me? Yeah, he loves you. He's did everything he can do to save you from your sins. Now the ball's in your court. Now you need to come down and receive this free gift. I've said it before. I said it last Sunday. I'll say it again. God only decorated one tree. <laughs> I love this. I wish I could take credit for this, but I didn't do this. God only decorated one tree, and that tree he decorated with his son, Jesus Christ. And the only gift he gave under that one tree was the precious blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. What do we do? And with the weight, and I just give you, I mean, guys, if you're still doubting that Jesus is God, get with me. I, I, this is just a tiny taste of the verses. I can't, we can't we'll have time to go through all of them. But what I need to ask you now is, what do we do now that we know that Jesus Christ is God? What should we do now with this evidence? The evidence is there. It was there 700 years before Christ was born. It's there when Christ was born. It's there when Christ is walking on the earth. After he's resurrected, Paul gives us the evidence that God shed his blood. It's all right there. What do we do with this evidence? We'll turn to John chapter 20, verse 28. And we'll close at that verse. If you've got one more verse to turn to, turn to John chapter 20, verse 8, and I'll show you what we need to do. Here's what you need to do. It's funny. It's Acts 20, 28. It's John 20, 28. I don't believe in any coincidences in the Word of God. God has it all designed out that way. He's an amazing designer. Skip up to verse 26. Get the context. Thomas didn't believe. That's why we use the word doubt and Tom. That's where we get the doubt and Tom from. It's from this right here. He didn't believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas was with them. Then came Jesus, doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Verse 27, Then saith he to Thomas, Thomas, reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but... Believing. Woo! He shows up and it's like Thomas is there and all of a sudden there's his Savior resurrected and Jesus is standing there. Thomas, come here! See this right here? I want you to come on up here and I want you to put your finger right in here, Thomas. <laughs> oh, don't you, know what, don't you know Thomas was just, his knees were just smacking together. What did Thomas do? What you need to do. What did Thomas do? What you need to do. Look at verse 28. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Amen. Jesus is the God manifest in the flesh. Jesus is God walking among us. Je- Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And when you encounter this Jesus, I'm here to tell you, you need to get on your knee and you need to say, My Lord and my God. Not your Lord, but my Lord. You need to make it personal. You need to say, Jesus, 
You're my Lord and my God. You are my Lord and my God. Have you done it? Have you bowed your knee and received Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? As your Lord and God, have you done it? I know when I've done it, my life has never been the same. And my sins have been cleared away. I'm not, a, I'm not telling you I'm sinless. I'm not telling you I'm perfect. I'm telling you I'm going to heaven. I'm telling you I got a ticket into heaven thanks to my Lord and Savior, Jesus. I have no problem admitting Jesus Christ is God because I worship Him. I sing songs to Him. I pray to Him. I love my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I, I, I'm excited that He's my God. And anybody that comes along, be it a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon or whoever it is, that tries to take away the deity of Christ and say he wasn't the Son of God, I think they're full of the devil. And I think that's wicked. And I don't like anybody messing with my Savior, Jesus Christ. When you mess with Jesus, you're messing with me. And y'all saw some of that come out this morning. I'm teaching on Jesus Christ, and I put up the Xmas, and I start talking about how they're trying to take Christ out of Christmas. And I got a little stirred up this morning in Sunday school, didn't I? You got me a little stirred up because you know what? When you mess with Jesus, you're messing with me. I love Jesus, see? <laughs> My heart is for Jesus. I love Jesus. He's not a philosophy. He's not an idea. He's a risen Savior that could walk through those doors this morning right now. Amen. And I'm looking for Him to. And I want Him to. Amen. He's my Lord and my God. Let me close by telling you this story to illustrate what Jesus Christ did for you. This young boy... He kept going down and playing in the basement. And his daddy came to him. His dad said, son, if I catch you down in that basement one more time, I'm going to make you sleep down there. I'm going to make you sleep down there. And the son, being a son a lot like me, <laughs> didn't behave. And he went down into the basement. He went down in the basement and he started playing again. And guess what? He got caught. And the dad said, okay, that does it. Go get your pillow. Go get you a pallet. Go down in the basement and sleep. Well, that evening they were... While the son was down in the basement sleeping, he was in the, the father was at the table, dinner table, and his wife was there, and the father was getting brokenhearted. He said, I, I don't like to think of my son down there. He's all alone, and it's dark down there, and I know he's scared. I don't like to think about that. And the mother said to the father, said, you can't, change, you can't go and let him up. You can't let him come up, because he'll never respect your word. If you, if you change your word and you let him out of that basement, he'll never respect you again. He'll never respect your word. You've got to keep your word. And the father said, I know, I know, I know. Well, about that time, as the son lay down there in the dark, and the son lay all alone in the dark, scared, that door opened to the basement. And he saw his father at the top of the steps. And the father slowly made his way down. And he crouched down next to that son. And he put his arm underneath that son and he cuddled up the son. And he said, I'll sleep with you tonight. I'll sleep with you tonight. That's me and you. Down in the basement of the earth and God was willing to come down here and save us and have pity for us. We couldn't go to heaven. We can't go to him. But he came down to us. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? 
You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him